A lot of effort went into articulating some basic rule changes in how our society and economy will run under a Labor government, and that's had plenty of media coverage already. There was a lot of emphasis too, rather less probed, into what's stopping us being a more dynamic, more complex economy where no one's left behind, seen as the glittering prize. Here are two good contributors to this section of the summit, Uh, whom I spoke to yesterday, starting with Catherine Livingstone, uh, the former chair of the Commonwealth Bank and a member of a big uh, investigatory uh, committee into innovation in 2014 and now Chancellor of UTS. And I welcomed her to Saturday Extra. Thank you, Geraldine. And Dr Jens Gunnerman is joining us too. He would like to talk about manufacturing, which I know uh, Saturday Extra listeners love talking about, and he wants to dispel some myths as he sees them. He is a German uh, economist by, by training who came from the aviation industry. He's been here for 10 years, and he is now the MD of the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre. Um, and welcome to you, Jens. Thank you very much. Um, now, Catherine, you said yesterday in this sort of was both challenging and um, constructive, I suppose I'd say, in your response, we have a lot of catching up to do here in Australia. With what and with whom? So the context was uh, the CSI report, which was looking at the megatrends, seven of them, which will shape our future. And uh, it's up to us to either take advantage or just be the taker of that future. The key here is the skills that we need. And uh, I was highlighting that digital skills, digital literacy. Now, by that, I don't just mean STEM. I mean creativity as well. But they will be the key skills that we'll have to draw on to either take advantage of the opportunities or deal with the more challenging situations such as decarbonisation, for example. So our catching up is in having and applying those digital literacy skills. I mean, you made the point, and it's been made in the Productivity Commission too, that we are 40th, I think, from the bottom of the of the list of countries in their technological changes. 40th from the bottom, it seems. Well, we're actually fourth from the bottom, but it's a long list. Oh, uh, okay. Well, fourth. I mean, I didn't want to overstate it. I didn't yeah. whether I heard you properly. Um, how can that be? Well, this is in the application of uh, data technologies and artificial intelligence that they were the um, attributes being looked at. And other countries are so far ahead of us. It's really in in fewer than 10% and sometimes 5% of businesses that these are being applied in Australia. And if you go to the UK, it's uh, closer to 30% of businesses. So it, it doesn't reflect a lack of ambition. It reflects a lack of awareness. And that awareness would come if we had more skills. Uh, What do you mean that the ambition is there but the application is not? Well, part of what's being discussed in in this summit is the fact that we have the roles but we don't have the people with the skills to uh, take on those roles and these are the so-called tech sector uh, skills. But I think that's limiting the concept. I think the point I was trying to make yesterday is digital literacy has to be pervasive across the community. It's not just for tech workers, which is why we have to start with strategies that build those competencies in early childhood education that then we can build into skills as people go through tertiary education and then they can then move into the jobs 
of the moment. So I was talking about the role of a data hygienist. Well, that didn't exist as a concept even probably five years ago. And I don't even fully know what it means. <laughs> it means <laughs> having well-organised, uh, well-washed data. So, <laughs> um, But uh, unless we build people with the fundamental competencies, they can't then progress through the skills and into the roles. And so what, they're doing that better in the UK, say, than we are here? I think there's been more of a recognition earlier in other countries that these are really fundamental skills. It's as fundamental as being able to read. So we have sort of, uh, we talk about literacy, but digital literacy, and it does not mean that everyone has to be high-level mathematician. It just means that people have to understand how to live and work when we're dealing with what is increasingly a digital environment. And I think you said that it's, there's often um, a claim, well, why isn't government doing this? But you say, you said yesterday, unless I heard you correctly, that this is actually a, a shortcoming in business. Well, it's uh, it's back to the point that it's everyone has a role. So the educators have a role, business has a role, government has a role in designing a system whereby we can do the catch up with people who've missed out on the skills, but we make sure that no one else is losing out from, again, starting from that very early childhood education. At the moment, I was saying about business has a role in people who are currently in the workforce upskilling and reskilling, so increasing their digital literacy. Uh, I think the government has a role, particularly in the education sector, on the early childhood mm. uh, dimension. And then, as we've um, obviously discussed extensively this morning, in the immediate need and the shortfall in the skills, the migration question, that that is an option for, if we think more strategically about it, for getting the skills we need now for the jobs we have now. Now, you had a very interesting little sequence yesterday, which I'd like you to repeat, about jobs, skills and competencies. And you, you reframe them, which I think sort of lets us into a bit, of, a bit of a narrative of what you're talking about. Yes, so I was really trying to present, well, so what do we do now? I spoke about jobs, skills and competencies because we're using those interchangeably and, and that's not helpful. So jobs are the roles and occupations that we have now. Jobs change over time, but the building blocks for jobs are the skills, and if people have the skills, then as the jobs change, they can move into the newer jobs. But the building blocks for skills are fundamental competencies in literacy and numeracy, which then build the, the digital literacy. And those competencies build into skills. They're the building blocks for skills and skills are the building blocks for jobs. So what I was saying, if we want to take action now, we take action that will have impact immediately in the next one to two years to address the skills shortage. Migration is one of the options. Female participation is another option, for mm. example. Action now that will have an impact sort of two to 10 years from now, that's where business comes in with the upskilling, reskilling, micro-credential recognition, recognition of overseas qualifications. That will all take time. And then if we want actions now to have an impact after 10 years, that's on the early childhood where we're looking at those fundamental competencies in literacy and numeracy. And I was making the point that you can't do maths if you can't read and comprehend. Yeah, so that's that's um, right at the schools levels then you're really talking about. I, I was very clear on early childhood, so the preschool year and K to two. Preschool, to start thinking about... 
You really think that's the bedrock, do you? Of, of it's all, all, all of the evidence uh, is that a dollar spent at that stage and age of education avoids $7 to be spent later on in remedial programs in education. We underestimate how, what sponges children are at that age and what they can absorb, what they can make sense of is really quite extraordinary. We also don't want anyone entering school who is not prepared for the concept of school. And uh, we heard yesterday the really worrying numbers of students entering school and being at a disadvantage from that point, which is why the preschool year is so important and the initiatives in New South Wales and Victoria for making that available, broad-based and, and free, is, will be so important. You did also refer to the formation, particularly of female preferences and sort of sensibility formation uh, at a very, in, in the early teens, I think it was, uh, no. even earlier. <laughs> I, was, I was saying that in, in that preschool and K to two, if girls have the confidence and that confidence is built at that early age, they carry that confidence through school. They're prepared to take on uh, the maths and the science subjects, which again, I'm not saying that everyone has to end up as a mathematician and scientist, but it's those those subjects that build uh, the patterns of thinking, logical thinking, computational thinking, whatever you do with them. But it's at that very early stage that girls form the confidence or lack of confidence settings that they then carry through. So, well, And then it led to an other discussions about, um, in fact, a narrowing, because there's newer research out that shows that in the last 20 years, there's been a, a narrowing of young people's thoughts about future careers rather than expansion, which is what you're talking about. This is really at odds with it with each other. It, it is. And, and I think uh, this is a, a clear call to action. Uh, and I think probably it's, it's schools, it's universities. Parents aren't necessarily aware of the new roles and they become influencers uh, in terms of security. You know, you, you, sh you should do law or economics or uh, accounting because or I medicine. can understand it, I can understand the job you're going to get and mm. it's really important to get a job. When in fact the reality is that the scale and scope of roles now, again, if you have those digital skills is uh, is huge and that's I mean we've <laughs> we've got hundreds of thousands of roles that need those skills so there is a um, big piece of work to do with uh, within the schools in careers advice and also letting parents know and students know about the jobs that there are now that they may not have heard about. Well, look, let me bring in uh, Dr Gurneman too because he's very much on that uh, page, I think. And you, yesterday uh, at the conference, um, Jens, you were talking about moving Australia from being a lucky country to a smart country via, um, among other things, advanced manufacturing, which, of course, has been... Has it not been losing uh, workers in Australia since about the 70s? Yeah, first of all, I want to reflect on what Catherine said about job skills and competencies. Um, we have not lost workers uh, in manufacturing. We have probably lost workers in the lowest value-adding part of the manufacturing value chain, and these are production jobs, and we measure them. But what we don't measure is the moving of workforce up and down that manufacturing value chain because there are three steps before production and three steps after production. And we lose less workers in production than we add 
in the other, more value-adding, and by the way, more female participation and uh, roles in the pre- and post-production uh, phase. You'll have to define this, please. I don't think listeners will understand the distinction you're making. Um, we confuse manufacturing and production. Production are jobs on the shop floor usually portrayed, especially during election campaigns, with blokes in hard uh, hats and uh, high vis vest. Um, but manufacturing is not a sector, it's a capability cutting across everything we do in a company, everything what we make in Australia. So, for example, making a vaccine becomes this as a job in the health sector. In fact, there is a manufacturing component to it which we don't register. So, right. making complex things is a prime um, competency, to say that, for a country to make complex things interact to any crisis or future opportunities. I see. And you're saying that we haven't gone backwards in that complex manufacturing? Absolutely not. And um, look, let me give an example, um, two examples. Um, we, con we, we, we have an um, emphasis on finished goods. They are tangible. They give a great opportunity to cut a ribbon and be proud of. 75% of global trade happens in unfinished goods, not in finished goods. So now let's take the example of automotive. People think manufacturing has declined because we stopped assembling cars in Australia. In fact, I used the word assembling. I didn't say manufacture because they are general motor cars. We are only allowed to call them Holden or <laughs> Ford or Mitsubishi. Um, but in fact, the last four years, the employment in automotive in Australia, counter to common belief, has increased because we have globally competent manufacturers who deliver in global value chains with unfinished goods and serving 7.5 billion customers and not just 25 million. Is there a real opportunity then here for job creation? I mean, are these decent job creators or are they just smart wealth creators? Um, I think manufacturing jobs, we already, when we count manufacturing correctly, we have um, 1.3 million Australians working in manufacturing jobs. That is more than 10% of our workforce, number one. Number two, every job in manufacturing has a ripple effect of creating 3.5 adjacent jobs. Thirdly, we already employ three times more people in manufacturing jobs than in mining jobs. So um, now, as a country and as an industry nation of relevance, you would like to be able to make complex things. Um, Catherine referred to uh, being the fourth of the bottom of a list of 40. That makes you 36. In Australia, our ability to make complex things, we rank globally on rank number 91, Namibia and Kenya. Uh, this is disgusting, but there's a massive uplift opportunity for us to get our act together and unlike to talk about it, really put it into place Manufacturing, making complex things is an opportunity for jobs in space, for jobs in robotics, for jobs in artificial intelligence, in every project we're doing yeah. in Australia, is digitalization has it in it, in it as well. But we talk about this, and I mean, Catherine made the point that we, she's been hearing this for many years, and yeah. Minister Husick talked yesterday about the fact that we somehow don't believe in our own ideas, and how often do we hear that, oh, we had that idea and it was developed elsewhere. So, on a, really, uh, Jens, can you see this altering? Yes, well... 
Yes, I, I can see that. I agree. There's a lot of talk and little action, but they are good examples. Um, countries who have gotten the act together are usually those countries who have running out of their luck in form of commodities. Germany mm. has, UK has. They both countries are a good example of having institutions of applied research, not early research. We are great in that, and then we fall a bit short after that. Fraunhofer Institute, 73 years around, is an organization for Which applied one, sorry? research. The Fraunhofer Institute, Fraunhofer Institute, and the UK catapult is also like an idea inspired by Fraunhofer, and not so different. The growth centers, therefore, the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Center was set up by my team in the sense of Fraunhofer light, I would call it. We demonstrate. Um, not to talk about innovative projects, we demonstrate them, co-invest with companies, and therefore we show what a project in space manufacturing, a project in global automotive delivery manufacturing, in, in anything exciting, how that could look like. And that is, I think, the proof point which creates jobs, which creates additional revenue, where the difference between talk and action is. You're nodding here, Catherine. Do you agree with this type of approach, which I, I don't think I heard specifically mentioned uh, at the conference? No. So um, the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre, it was one of six growth centres which were focused on sectors of the economy where we believe we have comparative advantage and but predominantly SMEs. And the growth centres were part of a coordination and facilitation um, policy envelope whereby um, they could be, you could effectively have a virtual scale and concentration by bringing participants in that sector together. And, and Jens, in leading the um, Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre, um, has done an extraordinary job in bringing those advanced manufacturing companies together. And they're sharing, obviously, ideas, they're benefiting from uh, joint research, um, but they're also the, the primary exercise is really to look at what the global export opportunities are because we have the comparative advantage. So we had, unfortunately, the previous um, government discontinued the funding uh, for that. But we have that. The UK have, has a catapult policy envelope. And then the most enduring one is the one in Germany, the Fraunhofer. This was a little debate yesterday. People like Anthony Pratt talking about where we already have advantage and, and real possibilities in recycling. And he was quite good actually talking about the possibilities for employment and um, skills growth. And people like Mark McGowan, the Premier of Western Australia said, look, why don't, you know, mining offers incredible um, digital growth and skills uh, uptake. So how we play to our strengths is a little debate, isn't it? I mean, both of you are talking about slightly different things to those two gentlemen. Well, we have the strengths. It's having the confidence in them and applying them to the problems that we need fight. solutions. That's where you get the greatest innovation, where you're solving a real problem. So waste, for example, that is a big problem. And in solving that, again, you create jobs and industries and so on. And WA, we see the massive expansion in hydrogen opportunities, um, early stage. But that is solving the big clean energy problem. And we're applying our comparative advantages there. Jens, your, your response to that sort of little mini debate? 
look, um, focusing as a small country that we are, we're less than Texas in population, um, focusing is the first order. We can't do everything a little bit, we need to focus on our strengths. For me, the areas of strengths for Australia to apply manufacturing, to apply making complex things and having the jobs, the skills and competencies of the future are a few. Recycling um, uh, is, is a no-brainer as much as uh, renewables and adding value to critical minerals rather than dig and ship. I, I think that's the biggest point uh, and that's our, our Achilles heel. We do not focus over long timeframes, which was my concern yesterday, that we keep asking the same questions yep. and coming up with different solutions instead of finding committed way forward and sticking with it for years and years and years. I suspect you're right. Uh, Catherine Livingston and Jens Gurneman, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thanks, Geraldine. Uh, and Catherine Livingston just stepped down as the uh, chair of the Commonwealth Bank and now Chancellor of UTS and also Jens Gunman from the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre who is a great skydiver and who told me yesterday that he had jumped for both Germany and Australia, which was a great source of pride. And my thanks to Greg Jennett who also uh, really helped uh, me in the ability to navigate Parliament House Studios and so on. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.